Welcome to Fostering Hope, a program that opens a door into the world of foster care and adoption, sponsored by Foster Adopt Connect. You'll hear stories from all facets of foster care, from kids who have experienced the system firsthand, from parents who are taking on the challenges and rewards of creating forever families for foster children, and from child welfare workers and policymakers who work within the system while also working to make it better. Besides hearing important stories, you'll learn how you can help society's most vulnerable children in big ways or small. Please welcome our host, the Youth Program Supervisor at Foster Adopt Connect, Nathan Ross. Welcome to Fostering Hope. I am your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Liz Luce. Hello, Liz. Hello, Nathan. How are you today? I'm fantastic as always. Great. We are here with our guest today, Kiki from the Shelter Program. Hi, Kiki. Hello. And Alicia, one of our mothers that used our program. Hi, Alicia. Hi. How are you both doing today? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing fine. <laughs> doing fine? All right. So we're going to get in. Uh, we talked last week about Child Abuse Prevention Month and all the different things that lead into that. And so today we want to continue on with that conversation and talk about some of the preventative services that are in place. I know that Gray mentioned last week that different circumstances lead for families coming into um, the foster care situation. And so one of the things that our agency does is come up with programs that can help address the different needs of our families, not just our foster and adoptive families, but also our birth families recognizing that with the right community support, we really can make a difference in the trajectory of kids' lives. So as I look at our Family Connections Rapid Reunification Program that we're going to talk about today, there's some really cool history behind the the need of the program. And so I think that before we have Kiki and Alicia talk about their experiences, it's probably important for us to go over some of that history. Don't you agree, Miss Liz? Absolutely. Um, so I know that uh, when Foster Adopt Connect um, came to uh, start the Family Connections Rapid Reunification Program, there was a great need in the community. There was a lot of, um, when I was working um, on the front line in the system, a lot of our families had um, a, a really uh, great desire and, and want to get their kids back, mm-hmm. um, rapidly reunify. Um, right. But the issues were that by the time you get to court, your mm-hmm. child is in a foster care placement, um, parents are, are waiting for that first court hearing, and there's such a lapse in time where the child isn't able to see the parents um, where the parents don't know what they're supposed to be doing yet because they don't have that list of, of tasks that mm-hmm. they're supposed to do from the children's division. So there was such a great need um, to sort of streamline that and, and make that work much, much faster than it had been. Yeah, and I, our CEO uses a great example when talking about the, the need for reunification when looking at the context of a child who has a crisis at school or something. So the child falls down, breaks their leg, and immediately the parent is called. The parent rushes to the hospital calling everyone that they know. Grandma, aunt, uncle, neighbor are rushing either to the hospital or they're going to the house to make sure that the other kids get off the bus. They'll you know, make sure dinner gets started. All of those things happen because we're in crisis mode and the community wraps around our kids. Yet for some reason, that kind of goes by the wayside when we're looking at our foster care system, which was specifically designed to wrap around families in crisis mode. And so I know that one of the things that I thought was really cool about this rapid reunification program is that it really is treating it like it's a community event 
Yeah, almost like oh, triage yes. at the emergency room. It's exactly. Not, it's not waiting and scheduling the surgery for months, months down the road. Right. It's right now. Let's fix this right now. What can we do while it's still fresh, while there hasn't been a, a lapse in time where the child isn't with the parents and not seeing the parents as that authority figure, as that exactly. loving figure. Um, and as a time when the parents aren't um, feeling hopeless because, you know, it's been three months and I don't know what to do to get my kids back. I haven't been able to... Um, put anything in place to make this work because we haven't had court yet. And that is just not a good enough excuse for us not to do anything in the system to help those children and families uh, reunify. Absolutely. And so with the rapid reunification, and again, we'll have Kiki talk more about her her specific job, but uh, one of the things that is very cool is that with the rapid part, we're talking 60 days or less. We're not talking rapid, meaning a year and a half to two years. We're talking... Within a season, we're getting <laughs> kids into safe and stable placements, most ideally with their birth family. And so we are working, again, in crisis mode with that birth mom and dad to say, all right, I am worker A and I'm going to do this. Your job or responsibility, mom or dad, is to do these things. And we're going to help you get this community support and this community support so that in those 60 days, they've gotten all of the support that they might gain slowly over two years in the traditional foster care experience. So that when they're when they leave, they're not just on their own in those sixty days as well. So we've wrapped around enough support that we can continue to build on that as they go back home. One of the other things that I find is just amazing about this program is something that you don't see really any other programs doing. That the kids get to remain in their same school and seriously this is the coolest. The parents can come up to our rapid reunification shelter. From 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., they can be there to help get them ready for school in the morning. They can help them with their homework in the afternoon, help make dinner, tuck them into bed. It's, um, you know, they're not spending the night at the shelter. However, they don't have that period of time where the kids have um, strangers, other adults, doing all of these things that the parents should be doing for them. And there's also an accountability piece. I feel like that the the staff at the Family Connections Center um, has with the parents where they have the ability to say, hey, if you don't do these things, we can't get you your kids back as quickly as we'd like to. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to sort of stay on top of it, where I know that folks who work, um, you know, for the state and with the system case management, they've got a caseload of a lot of children. So they don't have necessarily that time to be so on top of it and be that accountability buddy where mm-hmm. you can say, hey, mm-hmm. you need to get this done now because we right. can't move on to the next step. So this is on you. And right. I think that that really helps the parents also with accountability. Yeah. And I, I really like that. And what you were saying about the piece of, I get to, if, if I was a parent that had my child in this rapid reunification, I would get to come and have dinner with them. I would get to do all the same things that I did as their parent when they lived with me and what I will do with them when they come home. And I think that from what I have seen in the, in the different families that have used this, this program, it helps engage. It helps engage our families because not all is lost. And I, I could imagine as a parent being very frustrated that someone, some strangers coming into your home and telling you that for whatever reason, you're not doing a good enough job. Um, and Hey, we want you to work on doing a good enough job, but we're also not going to provide you a ton of support. And guess what? You don't actually get to see your kid until we feel like you're doing a good enough job, but really that formula could be based on what mood I'm in almost. And so I think that it is really cool that our specialists and the people who are working in this program, they're, from what I understand, they're picking up the parents and they're making sure that, that kids have access to their families. And 
that dinner piece I know from my own experience coming into care, though I understand why my mom would not have been able to see us, it was something that I would have wanted. I would have wanted the my grandparents who did not have abuse and neglect charges to come up there when I was in the shelter and talk about and just talk to me and see how I was doing instead of feeling like I was in witness protection program and all these people <laughs> were supposed to be telling me what was good for me, but they couldn't actually give me any information. And the system is set up that you're not even supposed to give that emotional support. Yeah. So if I wanted to get a hug from somebody, I was told that it was inappropriate. Boundaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to make a craft for someone, I was told that that was inappropriate. And so with our reunification program, kids are getting that. They get to have that love and the bonding that they had with their parents. We encourage it and we help enhance it instead of telling them, nope, you did something wrong, child, as well. So there's no love for you until your parents figure it out. Which and is I a- feel like uh, on the from the parents' perspective, it's really um, sort of a, a, the system is giving me respect and saying that I am able to do these things and, and um, be with my child during this time while I'm working on what I need to work on. And they don't have that that great experience of hopelessness. That right. Well, and maybe even fear. You know, I know that the foster families that I know are fantastic foster families. Right. But if I were someone who didn't know that, who had their kids removed and and they were with a stranger, I would wonder: Are they are they doing this right? Are they being nice to them? Are they making the sandwich the way that they like their sandwich made? Exactly. Things like that. And this is this is a program where the parents can come in and they can they can meet with the people who are caring for their children and they can be a part of all of that. Yeah. Of the decision making and of the oh well. They're not really good at, you know, math, so you really want to focus on the math part of this. It's a partnership, and I think that's helpful for the kids to see, too. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree, and so I think that it really ties in, again, what we, what we were talking with um, Gray with last week about reducing those traumas for our, our young people long-term and for families. So, um, Kiki. Yes. I know that we just did all the talking about the history of the program, but it just is such a cool um, – history and background so we, I just had to get some time in to talk about it but we want to get to you and talk about what do you do so we have you here what <laughs> what what is a day in the life of Kiki at Foster Adopt Connect well first why don't you tell us your your name and your your role that's with the yeah. program okay so um my name's Kelisha and I am the family liaison who works closely with the parents who are um having that chance to be rapidly reunified with their children so as a family liaison, what does that look like? Um, what I would do is I would work very closely with the parents, mm-hmm. um, being that so being uh, one of many supports that they have through this process. Um, I would help them with things like um, housing, if they need housing, employment. Uh, I even go so far as to help them with past um, util- um, utility assistance, getting that, that type of thing figured out. I go to parent-teacher conferences with them. I even, if the kids have medical appointments, I take the parents and we all go to the medical appointment together. So it would just be as normal as possible for the child, um, minimizing that trauma Mm -hmm. of being taken from their homes and trying to make it feel as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I also go with the parents to do shopping with the children so a day in the life normal day in the life of shopping with the parents and the children and seeing how they interact okay awesome so when we come back we want to hear more from you on that and we'll also hear from alicia
Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Liz Luce. Hi, Liz. Hello, Nathan. Hello. We were talking with Kiki, and we we're going to be talking with Alicia, who are our guest today, about our rapid reunification program, which works with families, birth families, on rapidly having their children return home. So, Kiki, before break, you were talking, giving us a very general overview of the a day in the life of Kiki. And so, kind of what what are you typically looking for? Um, what qualifies someone for the rapid reunification program? Well, Nathan, typically we look for those families who are uh, for first time coming into care, um, just now coming in and um, having this happen to them for the first time to where it's an initial shock to them. That way we can come in and help them with um, remedying, remedying no, the fine. situation yeah. and getting those services started and providing that wraparound that we provide for them. Um, we atypically have situations, as with Alicia, mm-hmm. where we come in towards the end mm-hmm. of the process. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about it's a first-time shock, you're meaning like minor offenses? Yes. So it's not the typical things mm-hmm. like I've had. My kid come into care 15 times, but it's more like I was I ran into some situation in which I was neglecting my child. It's a minor something, something that can be remedied within within 60 60 days. days. And so I need the support of a system that will allow me to address that minor issue in a 60 day time period versus a two year time period. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Okay, And so uh, I've mentioned we have Alicia here who is one of our birth moms that used our rapid reunification program. Um, and Alicia, my understanding is you had more of the atypical experience where you came in with our shelter on the back end of, of your children being in care. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. And so for you, what, what were some of the experiences that you can think of briefly that would, that led to the circumstances for your kids needing our services and you needing our services? Um, I think that I had a long history of drug use and alcohol use and domestic violence, um, and I just needed help. You know, I was neglecting my children, wasn't being the best parent I could be. And I think that the rapid reunification program has a lot of fantastic things that, you know, that not every parent knows where to go or where to start. And that's where Kiki comes in and uh, helps the families and the parents know where to start and where to end. And, and so while you were using the program did you talk at all about kind of maybe some of the root causes that led to the drug abuse i know you you just briefly mentioned that there was some domestic violence and so i think that for people listening there's often sometimes a misconception of how could you do this to your kid and i think it's important for them to hear that there are other circumstances that lead into it can you talk a little bit about that yeah i think that mine in particular was my personal experience was that i figured out long ago, you know, um, that we have domestic violence and drugs tend to go hand in hand. And for me, it did too. Um, you cover up the, the pain of the domestic violence with the drugs and then you begin to neglect your children. And, you know, that's what I did was neglect my children. And it's just a long time history of a vicious cycle. And I think Mm -hmm. the only way to get out of that is to get the proper help. And again, that starts with this program, getting the proper help through the program. And, you know, I think people need treatment and therapy and more people like Kiki out there. And so for you, Kiki, what is the typical response for parents as they're coming? What does that look like for, I know we have Alicia telling her story, but what is, 
is, are are all of the people who come into the program are they battling with drug addiction or are there different types of families and what are their responses? Um, a lot of our parents do battle with drug addiction or alcohol addiction. We do have those other parents who um, possibly uh, whoop their child the wrong mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and that ended them up in care. Okay. So we have those cases as well, um, not severe cases of abuse, but maybe the spanking went a little too far. Mm-hmm. And so now they are um, coming into our care for us to remedy that and provide them with the knowledge that they need to know that there are other ways and alternatives to spanking, and then there's a right and wrong way to do everything. Mm-hmm. So for you, Alicia, what was your what were your first thoughts when you heard about the rapid reunification shelter? What did you think was going to happen? I wasn't sure. I was expecting more long-term, you know, more of the 60 days instead of the 30 days it took. And I was unsure about the staff. Um, I was nervous, anxious, upset, you know, upset because my child ended up there. Um, my two children were separated. The one child, my younger son, Hunter, stayed in the foster home he was in. And I really wanted to keep my children together. Mm-hmm. And so that was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that that program and the staff and the people who work there, they eased my mind a lot. When I started coming there, you know, uh, Kiki got me in within 24 hours of my son being there. And so that was fantastic. And I was able to visit my son. Um, it's like Liz said in the beginning, you know, you're able to get to prepare food with your children and things like that. And so that was amazing. So you said Kiki was able to get you in in 24 hours. What does that, what does that um, mean? To see my child. You have okay. to be approved because your children are in state custody. Okay. So I had to be approved, and Kiki got me approved within 24 hours. Wow. Okay. That That is awesome, and from my understanding, is atypical, right? I mean, it, sometimes yes. it takes families a long time to get the approval necessary to see their children. Is that your experience? That's correct, yes. Okay. And so what kind of things did you do, Kiki, to help move that along for her? I worked closely with the worker in the situation. Um, we uh, kept an open line of communication to move that along and get anyone else who was needing to be approved uh, as a support system for mom uh, able to come in and have contact with the children and visits as well. So are there situations where it's not just the parents who are able to come visit the youth, but other family members are important people in their lives? Yes, yes. Um, sometimes it's step-parents. Um, aunts, uncles, close relatives that the children may have been close with uh, prior to being brought into care. That way we can keep that um, everything just, it's, it's all about making everything feel normal and keeping right. the child comfortable um, in this in the situation. That right. way it will feel more like home, even though they know it's not home. Mm-hmm. And Alicia, you said that you only needed our services for 30 days. Is that is that right? Uh, yes. So you were able to, with Kiki's help, get even shorter time than the 60 days that it normally it might normally take for some families. Yes, it went really fast, and I was able to get through a uh, parenting class with her. I went twice a week on Mondays and Fridays, and we were able to get through a parenting class together pretty quick. I can't remember exactly how many weeks it took, but it was mm-hmm. roughly pretty quick. It was yeah. within the 30 days. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, so from your experience, what were your what was your child's response to being in, in the shelter? Do you remember were they was it better for them, I guess, because they were able to see you? Did, did they have any communication with you about their adjustment to being in that um, program? My son, Justin, who was in the program and the shelter, 
Yes, he really did. Um, like all of the staff, there was especially one staff member, I won't mention his name, but he was fantastic. And um, they related because they both have gauges in there. Something so simple as a gauge in your ear mm-hmm. can make a child so comfortable. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that we have all walks of life that go through this and how fantastic the staff was and how good things went and smoothly. And my son really enjoyed the people that work there and his time there, I think, you know. That's that's amazing. I know it is so important, as I mentioned earlier, just to have those people that will bond with you that share any type of culture or family resemblance or anything that can help with that adjustment. And so I'm glad that your son and that you felt like you had that experience. When we come back from break, I, I want to get into the, what the 30 days look like. So what were the step-by-steps that you both were taking to make sure that your children got back home and that you had the right supports and safety? So tune in for more when we come back from break on Fostering Hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm your host, Nathan Ross, here with my co-host, Liz Luce. Hi, Liz. Hello, Nathan. We've been talking with Kiki, from our family liaison from our Rapid Reunification Program. Hi, Kiki. Hello. And Alicia, one of our birth families who used our Rapid Reunification Program. Hi, Alicia. Hi. All right. So before break, we were kind of talking about your thoughts and feelings prior to or prior to your children using the Rapid Reunification Program, and then your thoughts and experiences right when you started using the Rapid Reunification Program. And so I just wanted to take some time to walk us through what 30 to 60 days would look like for a typical family. So between the two of you, can you just yeah tell us what, what was happening in this time period to make sure that, Alicia, you felt like you had all the tools needed to have your kids come home? Well, initially, um, I contacted Alicia and set up an appointment for her to come in and for us to get acquainted, build that rapport and get things started. We went through um, assessments, the North Carolina family assessment, and we went through the AAPI2 assessment. The North Carolina assessment is where I go through and I assess everything from support systems, community supports, um, how her home life is, um, the environment that the children would be reunified with um, into um, the AAPI2 is an assessment on uh, parenting skills, her her views on parenting and what she sees as okay versus not okay. And it gives us results to work off of. And we go from there. Um, the results range anywhere from a high scale to a low scale, the low scale being that their parenting is right on the lines of mm-hmm. everything that is expected uh, state-wise um, to the high scale, which is um, the parent needs a lot of assistance with parenting, um, getting those techniques and alternatives figured out and working with them to see what else we can do and whatever concerns being addressed mm-hmm. so we can get that cleared up on why it's best to do it this way or why um, an alternative can be worked out or needs to be worked out. So what does that look like if they do get the score where they have a lot of um, needs as far as their skills? Um, what sort of things do you put in place? Do they have classes? Do you do one-on-one trainings with them? What does that look like to help them get those 
Yes, we participate in the active parenting, and there are a series of videos, and there are activities and discussions that go along with the videos. Um, Myself and the parent discusses what was the content of the video. The video also has sections where they teach you an alternative, and then they ask you to pause it, and then the parent can actually say what they think that they're going to say is the right way to do it. Okay. And, and if they're, they choose a different way, mm-hmm. then it will be discussed between the parent and I, um, there's the parents can take notes, mm-hmm. um, and any questions or concerns that they have at the end, there's a um, time for discussion and, you know, getting those perspectives in order. So for you, Alicia, how, how was that experience of the, the assessments I can on the, social services end can absolutely see the value. I just wonder from a parent perspective, I mean, do you see, Alicia, did you see this as helpful? Um, What made this process doing these assessments, what made it better for you? I think it was extremely helpful. Um, I struggled with some things I watched on the parenting videos in the past, so it's helpful for me today now that the children are back. And I think that a lot of the Family background, you don't realize how many people you actually have out there. You're not alone and that you can be supported. And I think you need your family and friends and also the staff. And I think to build a good relationship was where it was at for me. Okay. And so we've completed the assessments. What what happens next based on those determinations? Um, we also go into genograms. Okay. Just to get that family history that... Uh, family tree going. In what the, is a genogram? A, a genogram is what we have where we have the parents put their name at the bottom of a sort of like a family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, then they list their uh, paternal side mm-hmm. and then their maternal side. And we get um, information as far as um, common themes in within the family. Uh, just, just a way to have sort of like a plan B. Okay. That way, if something does not go right within that 60 days, mm-hmm. we have discussed, the parent and I have discussed um, which which way they want to go and what's more comfortable and what's actually better for the child at the next point. So the genogram identifies, what, like 20 different alternatives for yes, 20 within different the family for the child to potentially go to? Is well, that... it is within the family um, okay. on, the, on the initial part of it, but I also go into depth as far as... Um, Friends, okay, and uh, other kinship possible placements. Okay. Someone, someone that the parents are comfortable with, and okay. someone that would be good for the children, for the familiar familiarity. Familiarity. Sorry, I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> That's so helpful to have. Also, I know in in another one of the programs we have at Foster Adopt Connect Extreme mm-hmm. Recruitment, we get kids who have been in care for such a long time, and we do the genogram as well, the family tree, and we contact family members years later, and they're assuming because they were not able to be involved in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, that the kid is happy and healthy and adopted and everything's going well, and they had no idea that this child, you know, their their grandchild or niece or nephew has been in foster care mm-hmm. for the last six years. And um, so it's really, really fantastic that you are getting the information for natural supports and the child-specific supports that, you know, coaches or family friends too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if it doesn't work out, you're able to have all of those resources so it can be someone the child already knows. Yeah. So, Alicia, for for you, what was going on in these in these thirty days? You you said that you did the assessment in the parenting um, classes. What else were were you getting assistance from Kiki with? 
Um, I think just community resources. Um, as she said earlier on, you might need help with electricity, a clothes closet, a food pantry. They offer all that right there at Foster Adopt Connect, and I think that it is amazing. They have those sort of resources, and then they have they get a you know a general family background. Mm-hmm. And it's not just to place the child, as Liz said. It's mm-hmm. it can be for you know just to get an idea of how close you are, what your life was like and is like currently, and how your support system is, things like that. Okay. And so, what other activities were you uh, engaging in? Were, were there court visits? Were there? Uh, did you have to go and show that you were going to any type of rehab? How were you showing the court that you were ready for your children to come home? Yes, I participate in a program with uh, drug and alcohol testing okay. once a week, and I'm still currently in that. Now I've went down to two weeks or okay. biweekly. Okay. And I think that was for that was through the state of Missouri, and okay. it's a great program. And then I went through a treatment program, uh, Heartland Center for Behavioral Change. Fantastic company, fantastic. Um, so I think you know. You just have to have that out there, and those are some of the resources and programs. And I also completed the parenting classes Kiki had said early on. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, my husband and I got married, and that was you know that was a big program too. Even though mm-hmm. it's not something you graduate or do right. per se, it was a great source of help. Okay, you know to have that other partner and that help. Absolutely. And then I put a relapse prevention into place. So that in the event that I should relapse, my husband is not a drug addict or alcoholic. I would move out of the home and he would take care of the children, et cetera. So it was very helpful. Okay. So is that your safety plan then? Did um, Was that something that, that you were able to do after the kids in our care? Yes. Okay. And so, Kiki, what is traditionally, what does that safety plan development look like? I get together with the parents and we discuss in the event that something like what brought the kids into care initially happens mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. what we would do, what, what they would do, and how where they would go from there as far as the kids are concerned. Mm-hmm. That way it would be a plan put into place to be able to get them quickly back on track mm-hmm. and the kids are already taken care of. Okay. And so what were some of the other things that you were doing with Alicia while you were working with her to get her children back? Uh, well, I was also giving her a list of resources okay. just so that she would know everything that was available to her um, while the, while her children were in care and also after her children come back home mm-hmm. um, just to let her know she's, she's still going to have that support, mm-hmm. um, letting her know about things like the pantry mm-hmm. and them having access to the pantry even after reunification and also the clothing closet in case that need ever arises. Um, We also did um, what was called the love languages, and that is just something that helps them to see the best way they communicate and what they respond well to. Mm -hmm. Were there any services for uh, Alicia's children while while they were using the rapid reunification program? Well, um, while in the shelter, in the Family Connection Center, they work on life skills. Okay. So they um, have the children, they have chores, and, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, responsible for cleaning up after themselves, helping pick up after dinner, you know, picking up their, their area and helping out. Um, also, we help with homework there. If anything is um, 
any areas they may be needing help with as far as school is concerned. Mm-hmm. We work lo- closely with them on that so they'll have that support in the event that the parent can't be present at the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have the parent is able to be there and be present, so we assist both the parent and the child with okay. whatever they need help with. And, and am I, I correct in assuming that there are some therapeutic services for both parent and child to help address the different traumas that might be related to them coming into this Yes, system. we have an in-house therapist who okay. works closely with the children. Okay, and we keep an open line of communication as well. Okay, so um, I and I'm sorry, Liz, I don't mean to cut you off. I just know we have to go to break, so we will for sure get to that question when we come back. And as we wrap up, I do want to kind of hear about from you, Alicia. What were some of the things that worked best? If you could tell anyone, you know, one thing that Kiki did for you that worked fantastically, um, we'd want to hear that when we return from break. So. Please join us as we conclude this segment on reunification when we return on Fostering Hope. Welcome back to Fostering Hope. I'm Nathan Ross, the host, with my co-host Liz Luce. Hi, Liz. Hello, little sorry brother. Sorry, I cut you off, little brother. Oh. That's, I'm used to you cutting me off. So yeah, I'm, okay I'm sorry it. to cut you off. Last <laughs> segment, don't be bitter. We had a commercial, uh, but we've been talking with Kiki, our family liaison at our rapper reunification program. Hi, Kiki. Hello, Nathan. And Alicia, our birth mom, who used our family reunification rapid reunification program. A lot of reunification in there. Hi, Alicia. Hi. All right, so before break, we were talking about the different circumstances that led to kids coming into the shelter, how they've used the shelter, and what was going on in those 30 days that Alicia was receiving services. And so right before break, Liz was about to ask, what does it look like and how do you know a a kid is ready to go home and a family is ready for reunification? So, Kiki, can you talk to us about that? Well, once um, we're wrapping up and everything is um, falling into place, Mm -hmm. what it looks like is all of the assessments are completed for the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a better understanding of uh, all the alternatives to parenting. They also, if possible or if need be, they have a safety plan in place just in case something happens. Again, they know exactly what to do and it gets remedied fast. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I would... Make sure that everything is um, taken care of as far as the home goes. Okay. Um, going in to check and make sure that the home is uh, safe. They have fire extinguishers and carbon monoxide detectors, okay. um, beds for the children. And if not, you know, we have resources where we can assist them with getting the things that they need so that the transition home would be smooth for um, the parents and the children as well. So really doing whatever you can to eliminate those barriers to reunification. Yes. And, and so for you, Alicia, how did you know that you were ready for your children to come home? I think it was just, again, I go back to the support system and then completing everything that I completed. I think I completed my drug and alcohol treatment a week later, and but I was already finished by that point and had finished the parenting class. And, you know, I think that my family was stable and I mm-hmm. maintained a stable job and I was clean still at that time and I'm still clean today. I just think 
it was mostly the support of everyone. Okay. And and so uh, you've done the assessments, you've checked the homes, Kiki, and they're ready to go home. What does that look like? Are we just packing them up in a bag and then they're off? What does that transition look like? Well, um, I work closely with the caseworkers. Um, that way we know everything that needs to be taken care of as far as um, the child possibly having a appointment, dental appointment, medical appointment that needs to be followed up on. Okay. Um, it all goes all along in the discharge packet, letting them know what's next and where to go from there, um, making sure the parent remembers that all the resources that we have available to them, because once you're a family with us, you're always a family, okay. um, letting them know they can come back when, if need be, and receive that help. So in, in the transition time, they've been in the same school, correct? They, they're not having to switch schools, which is great. You are already comfortable, Alicia, with the staff and with Kiki if you have questions. Do you feel like it made it smoother when the kids came home than if, if that had not been the case? I do. I feel like it worked out quite well. I think that the transition was fantastic. And, <laughs> yes, it was kind of like packing a bag and just picking them up. You know, uh-huh. it was, uh, so can you pick up his medication and get ready? And it was, I picked his most of his things up and then him the very next day. So it was pretty smooth, but pretty quick. Okay, cool. And so for you, what was the the transition and aftercare plan? Do you feel like you had the support necessary to continue to thrive with your children once they were home? I do. I feel like a lot of the support system goes away. You know, like you graduate therapy. Uh-huh. I'm almost graduated with that now. Um, your children will graduate therapy. So those people, you know, you, you fire them and you move on. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, you need to figure out who you still have in your life as your support system for you and your children mm-hmm. and who's in place. And I think that I always have that option until my children are 18. And even then, if I wanted to continue, it's there. I think on a personal level with Kiki, you know, having her personal number and being able to be in touch on a personal level is where it's at. Oh, wow. I also provide follow-up. So, um, three to six months in, I'll check on the parents and see how everything is going and make sure everything is okay. Okay. And what does that look like? So if they, if I have my parent, I'm saying, yeah, I actually, I'm about to, I'm struggling or I'm, I can see that I'm close to repeating a pattern. What does that look like? I see if they still have the list of resources because it is a hard copy that I provide to them. And if not, I will give them another copy and also go through it and see which services that they can go and receive that help with. Okay. Do you know what types of services you're you're providing them for that? What do those services look like? Is it just food pantries or? Well, the list of resources mm-hmm. I give them, mm-hmm. they run the gamut from shelters to um, how to get birth certificates, social oh. security cards, um, treatment. It's it's a lot of different things. It's okay. a lot of different things that are on the list: um, clothing, closets. <laughs> from some from other areas mm-hmm. it, there are a lot of different things on there what about um i know that a lot of the, the youth who are wanting to be involved in recreational activities or who need um, daycare or, or summer care i know that boys and girls club is um something that we recommend for families are there other things that you can think of um like that that maybe for the kid are recommended yes um the boys and girls clubs are a lot of di- in a lot of different areas so they could assist with that. They There's also um, after-school programs that some schools offer mm-hmm. for the uh, children. And so I just make sure that the parent knows that all, the, all of those things are available. And, and so what, are the, what do the stats look like for success with this, with this program? Well, um, 
for example, 2016 statistics were, as far as rapid was concerned, mm-hmm. 85% of the families were reunified. Oh, wow. And within that 85% at the six-month uh, follow-up, 100% stayed reunified. Wow, that's amazing. That is. About, and out of um, going out of a scale of 100, about 12% went to kinship or relative homes. Okay. And 3% um, had to go into foster care. Okay. So a very small portion of the children who are coming into the rapid reunification program are ending in in foster placements. Yes. And and with those foster placements, are you still doing work on the front end to identify what that would look like so that if a child has to go to a foster placement, that transition is smooth? Yes. Okay. Um, In that event, we would have the parents come Mm -hmm. up and we would um, have a meeting with them and discuss with them what that looks like for the child to have to go into a foster care placement. Um, We would make sure that they know that it's going to be very different than the services we provided within the shelter as far as visitation, how often they can see the children Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, We would also let them have a visit with the children. Um, Not a goodbye visit, but just just to help smooth it over for the child themselves and the parents as well. They can um, be present during that transition. Okay. So as we start to wrap up this segment, Alicia, if you could give one bit of advice or say one thing about the Rapid Reunification Program, what would that be? I think that you need to have a good support system in place. I go back to that because I think it's very important to have your family, your friends, and people like Kiki out there. Yeah, okay. So the need for support, which is, of course, what we've echoed in all of our other segments as well. And so I just want to thank you both for being here with us today, Um, especially thank you to you, Alicia. I know that it is not easy to get on air and talk about some of the things that people would have a hard time discussing. People don't like to always talk about the negatives in their life, but it's amazing to hear how you've turned those into a positive. I just appreciate both of your time with that. So we are wrapping up. Uh, You've been listening to Fostering Hope brought to you by Foster Adopt Connect, a comprehensive regional support and advocacy center for abused and neglected children and the families caring for them. To learn more about how you can become a foster parent or help other vulnerable children, please visit us at fosteradopt.org or on our Facebook or Twitter page. Until next time, thank you so much.